Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Robin Dorian. And before we get to Robin, here's a few announcements. Please go to our website. That's TravelTalesPodcast.com. And there you can find all things Travel Tales Podcast. You can see photos of our guests. You can see links to their social media. You can see links to our social media, which is, of course, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. We have a Facebook page. Subscribe to all those. Join. Give us a like. Whatever you got to do please. Also at our site, you'll find links to Stitcher Radio and Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify, we're on iHeartRadio, and basically wherever you get your podcasts, there we are. Please subscribe. And as always, if you do listen to us on those formats, I ask you to please, please give us a good rating because that helps more people find the show, boosts our presence there, and that's a cool thing for you to do. If you want to write me, TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. And speaking of writing me, I received a great email from a guy named Jack in Australia. Now, Jack is originally from China, but he now he lives in Australia and says he enjoys the show and also uses the show to help learn English. I wrote him back and I said, don't you learn English from all those Australians that you live around? Turns out he understands the American accent better. Probably, he said, because he grew up watching so much American television and movies, and they just got to picked up on that accent. So I'm glad I could be of service, Jack. Thank you for writing. Thank you for listening and learning, it turns out. And also, Jack said a little something that I found interesting. He wanted to know where he could donate to the show. Now, in 10 years, you know I've never asked for money on this show, but maybe it's time for that to change. Maybe Jack has inspired me. Something I'm going to put on the table. Maybe get a few extra bonuses for being a Patreon subscriber. Oh, the possibilities are endless. Anyway, thank you, Jack. Enjoy your summer down under. And please, as always, stay safe, and thank you for listening. Now let's get to Robin Dorian. Robin was someone that I worked with in 1997 at VH1. We were co-VJs together. I was only there for 13 weeks. Robin was there for years, maybe like four or five years. And whereas I moved to L.A. at the end of 97, Robin stayed in New York and has been there ever since. She's still got a place in the city with her husband, Nick, but they also have been spending most of their time these days up in the Berkshires, up in Massachusetts. Two, three hours outside of New York. Sounds lovely. Good place to spend lockdown, and that's where she spent the bulk of it. Can't blame her. Geez, should you be in lockdown New York City or be out in the country? That's a no-brainer, really. But anyway, after VH1, she went on to host some uh, shows for the Food Network, And her experiences and contacts there and her love of food and travel inspired her and Nick to start a website called Find, Eat, Drink, which was basically food recommendations from chefs in various cities around the world. I mean, she actually knows Bobby Flay. So when she and her husband were going to Europe and says, hey, Bobby, where should we go in this particular city? And of course, Bobby knew exactly where to send them. And they had the most amazing meals of their lives. And they figured, rightly so, this is a good idea for a website, which later became an app. And now they're writing guidebooks. 
And it's more than just food. It's places to stay, lifestyle things, stuff to do in various places. And you can follow them on Instagram at Find Eat Drink. We'll have links to all their sites. And we'll have links to where you can buy some of their books. But Robin has had a lot of jobs in television. And she started out, actually, as a reporter for A Current Affair. Remember that show? Ooh, all that salacious news hosted by Maury Povich at the time. Getting all the good gossip. Well, in that job, Robin traveled all over the world. And she has great stories about being chased out by police in foreign countries, and all sorts of stuff. So we talk a little about that. And you got to stick around to the end because she tells one of my favorite recent travel tales about the time back in the late 90s, maybe early 2000. She sat in a first-class seat for eight hours to Hawaii next to none other than Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones. And the more she talked about it, the better it got. Love that story. So anyway, it was great to catch up with Robin. We did this over Zoom. She was home in the Berkshires. I had a great time catching up, and I hope you enjoy listening to it. Here's my chat with the lovely and charming Robin Dorian. Robin Dorian, it is great to see you. It's been only, what, 25 years? (laughs) It really has. It's almost 25 years. Is it really? Well, 97, I worked at VH1 and you were there. So yeah, I, was I was only there, there for 13 weeks. I was just going to ask you how long it was. It was only 13 weeks. It was a 13-week contract, which was not renewed. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, because it was fun having you around. Okay, when did you start? Officially in 95. And then I left in the end of 99. That's great. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Oh, it was such a fun job. Well, I wanted to reconnect with you because, you know, I've been doing the uh, travel podcast for like 10 years now. And I remember congratulations. You, yes. And, and I've had this app on my phone, find eat drink for, I don't know, years. And then I oh, remember, Oh, so nice. I didn't was, know that you had the app. Yeah. That I said, is so Wait a minute. Nice. That's Robin's app. Why am I not talking to her? So then I tracked it down because we've been like, you know, Facebook friends and stuff, but yeah. So I kind of keep tracking you through that. So tell me about Find Eat Drink and is it still going on? And what, what made you start it and how's it going? Well, uh, I'll start with what made us start it. Um, first of all, the app is we pulled the app just so you know, and I'll, I'll get back to why and and all of that. But we started it because I, I, I after I worked with you, I worked at the Food Network and I had access to a lot of chefs and their recommendations. So it started initially, I went to Spain, I went to Barcelona and I had a list of Bobby Flay's favorite places in Barcelona. And it was like immediately being a local. I mean, (laughs) I I never had a bad meal. It was incredible. And it was such a shorthand cheat sheet. So I came up with this idea that there should be a guide a chef's guide, like where people want to eat around the world based on local chefs. So that's how it started. And uh, I've tried to raise money and people kept saying to me, no one cares about chefs. This is in, uh, I guess, 2005. And every time I met with a VC or any money person, they said, that's ridiculous. Nobody cares about chefs. Said, and next thing you know, me, yeah, Anthony Bourdain takes jobs. off. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's how it started. And initially we had a website and we did these city guides with all the recommendations, chefs all over the world. Then we started the app, which was great. It was really like land in Paris, 
what's ne- what's around me oh there's something across the street let's go here and it was incredible like we that's how we traveled and it really was absolutely this perfect method so we pulled the app because we figured a couple of things one is every time apple updates their ios you have to redo your app and that becomes very expensive so that was number one that's the that was definitely part of it but the other thing is we realized the way people travel is I'm going to go to this city. I want a book or whatever. So we pulled the app and now we do books, digital books, guidebooks. And we've expanded beyond just eating. So it's where where to stay, cool things to do, where to get a tattoo, where to take a (laughs) yoga class, museums, seeing music, hipster haircut, all based on local recommendations. Same thing, chefs, bartenders, sommeliers, local artisans, and their favorite things. And instead of doing big cities, we do smaller cities with emerging food scenes like Richmond, Virginia, for instance, really cool town, great food scene, Portland, Maine, same thing, Tampa, Florida, St. Pete, Florida, you know, just sort of interesting little towns beyond New York City. You don't really need us for New York. (laughs) Yeah. There's one or two guidebooks already out there. A few. There's a few. But our um, mission is absolutely save you from having a bad meal. Nothing drives me more crazy than when I find out people go to places and they're like, oh, well, we we were here and we just went across the street because we didn't know where to go. And it was very good. And and I just take it not I don't take it personally, but I want to save them. No, no, no. (laughs) There's so many good places. We just went to the Applebee's on the off ramp. You know. Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> how do you how do you decide which cities to go to? Is it just on rumor or just you hear some good things and you go check it out? Or do you actual take like you talk to your chef friends and they go, you have to go to this town? Um, it's a combination. I think you kind of start knowing, you start hearing about things and reading about things and you realize certain cities are attracting either uh, chefs or just young people moving there because it's a better lifestyle, more affordable. So then it all starts to come together. A lot of places like Portland and uh, Richmond, a lot of New Yorkers relocate. They can have more real estate. They can live in a beautiful loft. They can raise their kids there. So it, it's, and then the next thing you know, cool food scene, breweries, of course, right? always breweries. And then the locals rebel because you're sending the prices up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they hate you. And you're in the Berkshire, so you're probably feeling that as well. What in, in what regard? That they're like all these New Yorkers coming up here, <laughs> but they've always always dealt. Yeah. What are you like? Two hours outside the city? Uh, a little bit more. Okay. Almost three. Yeah. And you've been there through the whole pandemic. We have. I mean, we've done a little bit of traveling, but we've really been hiding out here. <laughs> Did you keep it's your great? Yeah, I bet. Did you keep your place in the city? Or? Yeah, we do. We still have it. How often do you we go, go back and forth? Well, initially when, so I guess it was March like 6th or 8th or something like that. And I said to my husband, I was like, we got to get out of the city. <laughs> you know, I had visions of 2000, uh, uh, right after 9-11, I had these visions. Oh, they're going to shut down the city and they're going to close the bridges and we're going to be stuck here. And it's going to be a pandemic. Let's get out. So we got out of the city and we didn't go back for a really long time. And then we decided, well, we got to go back, check on the apartment, get our mail. <laughs> so we drove down for two hours. We packed a lunch. 
we parked outside the building, ran up, grabbed our stuff and left. It was if, as if it were a war. Like we were so freaked out about the whole thing. And then eventually we started staying there again. So now we go back and forth, but not quite as much. We've really pretty much entrenched our lives here. It's so nice. Yeah, I'm sure it's beautiful. I've been up there a little bit, but as someone who loves so many different restaurants, are you like really jonesing for your Manhattan life in that aspect? Well, I went back last week and uh, it was the first time I went indoor dining. Oh, wow. Okay. Since the pandemic. Anywhere. Uh, I was back in New York in uh, September and people were eating outside in those little bubbles and yeah, things. They're, and- yeah, they're great. <laughs> I love the little outdoor things, but now it's getting a little cold for them. Yeah. The other thing that's happened in New York is in order to eat inside, they check your vaccination and your ID. Yeah. So you're almost safer inside than outside. Yeah. I remember um, because coming from here where everybody says, oh, uh, California is so strict and stuff. It's like I haven't I haven't shown my vax card once out in L.A. And then I go to New York and Honolulu and they're asking for them and checking it. Yeah. And it varies. And so how, do you you know? f- how do you feel about it? Do you feel more I felt, a little safer? I, absolutely. I did. I mean, uh, it, even it varies here by county. I mean, you can go out in L.A. and they'll ask to, uh, you know, everybody's wearing masks or something. Then you just go to Orange County and it's like the Wild West. It's like it's not even happening. It's crazy. So there's Same no consistency. Florida. Yeah, Florida. Florida, is, Florida yeah, we were is, there, too. If, it's just, you know, as if there was no COVID. It's like it doesn't happen. So. Yeah, it's it's so bizarre. There's no consistency anywhere you go. And I'm I haven't been out of the country yet, but uh, I'm about to go to Mexico, so we'll see. You know, yeah, I mean that's gonna be interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know what to expect, but are you uh, afraid to travel during the pandemic? A little you bit. Are. A little bit. I mean, yeah, I mean I'm vaxxed and boosted and everything else, but um that doesn't mean everybody else is. And I mean I'm more afraid of getting caught somewhere. And not being able yeah. to go back or, you know, I'm working on a ship. So I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of that being quarantined and of being locked in my little cabin. That's yeah. what I'm afraid of. But um, yeah, that's understandable. Yeah. Well, well, we haven't been out of the country. We've, we have traveled, but going back to New York last week, it felt like 2019. Yeah. The restaurants were packed. It was lively. And I have to say it was really exciting because we have not been in restaurants. We've really hidden out. We've yeah. gone outdoor dining on our, we've gone on road trips since that's how we deal with the whole travel right, thing. Right. I, I mean, we just haven't gone on an airplane, but it was really nice to be in a lively restaurant. It oh, made I, me really want to travel. I got to tell you, like I hadn't been back in, in New York in a few years and going back, we went back in September just for like five days and it was great. But it was like the first big week. It was like the week after Labor Day and things are really starting, started to open up again. They said and like we were down in the village and it was jumping, man. It was really I mean, the weather was beautiful, too, but it was it was hopping. I mean, places were crowded. I think it was that it was this, this kind of big release that people had been locked up for so long. And they didn't mind showing their cards. It's like, yeah, absolutely. We just want to get out again. <laughs> and, you know, Everyone's New Yorkers. Good about it. Yes, yeah. New Yorkers go out. You know, that's what they do. So it's, uh, it was great. It was kind of exciting. It, it broke great. my heart how the city felt 
before when there were no tourists, people weren't coming in for any reason. And you get on the subway and everyone looks so sad. And I never thought I would miss tourists. But you, you <laughs> see tourists when they're on the subway and they're excited, or you see them in the streets and they're kind of looking around. And I I felt like we needed that energy. And I never knew that. I've lived in New York a long time. I never knew I would miss them so much. And now when I go back and I see tourists, because now everything's open again, it feels so different to me. And yeah. it felt great. Yeah. It felt great to see people out and about. Well, how long were you? You've been in New York for what, like 30 years? Uh, uh, I like to say since it was dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that a could long be anywhere. time. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, it got dangerous again during the pandemic, so that that didn't really work. When I would say, since yeah, it was dangerous, but a long, long time. <laughs> but you're originally. Are you originally from Florida? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. That's what I yeah. thought. Well, that was a big move. Was it like post college? You're like, I'm out of here. I'm going right to New York. Yeah, I didn't go right to New York. I went to Washington D.C. Okay. But a little stop along the way. But I knew I was going to end up in New York. So catch me up on, so how long did the Food Network thing last? Was that two years? Uh, that was a couple of years. I did a couple of shows there. One of them, I worked for another company, a production company, and I was a host. I was the, uh, it was called Food Fantasy, and I was their host. And then I created my own series called After Midnight. And it was all about things that happen in the middle of the night in the cities that never sleep. <laughs> so it was going around around the country shooting all night long. We actually did LA. Um, we did New Orleans, uh, New York, all these different cities. And it was everything from like in LA, there's a guy that has to go in at four in the morning. He's a chef that preps for the the private jets that leave at seven. So he's cooking all night so that when <laughs> they go out, just little crazy food stories. Okay. So, so that was a lot of fun. So the um, website and the app, that all kind of like came after Food Network? I mean, so it was like early 2000s then. We launched in 2009 or 2010. Okay. All right. Yeah. So it was a while after. Yeah. So I had a whole TV world and then I went into the digital world. Okay. What do you miss about it, if anything, like TV? About TV? Um there's a lot I miss. I really like TV. I had a long life in TV. I worked at Current Affair. Did you know that I was a Current Affair reporter? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I was a Current Affair reporter for a long, long time. And that was all travel. Yeah. Every every day. It was constant. Like I never bought anything other than travel size. Everything. I couldn't <laughs> buy milk because it would go sour. So the day I quit, I bought a large shampoo and milk. I was so excited. <laughs> But literally, like all around the world, crazy life, uh, traveling around the world. So I miss that. I miss telling visual stories. Is, I mean, TV's fun. Is this the longest stretch? I mean, in the last 20 years, it is for me of not leaving the country. It's been yes. two years for me. And isn't it weird? Yeah, it's really weird. Where is your first place you want to go? Is money uh, an issue? Well, I'll tell you what we, we were. <laughs> no, I mean, what's it? Yeah. Dream or reality? Either, both. We were supposed to go to two places, and we're not going because of the pandemic. But uh, one was we were supposed to go to a wedding in Iceland, Ooh. which is that's been postponed. That might happen this summer. And we were supposed to go to Japan. Me too. That's really? The, I was supposed to go last year. Uh, so, March of 
2020, I had a whole thing planned. I was going to go, uh, I was trying to see the cherry blossoms and then, uh, hopefully ski and that kind of thing. And that was postponed. And I, have you been it. there? Yeah. One, it was 15 years ago. So I wanted to go back and then, uh, and now it was supposed to be, uh, this March and I've pushed it again. So I'm going to try for like May, June, because they're still not open. They're still not letting people in. And who knows with this new variant, they may still be shut down. So I might have to push it again. It's really kind of a bummer. I miss yeah. it a lot. I miss it a lot. I've never been. That's a dream place for me. Oh, you're kidding. No, it's really like top of the list dream. You would love it. And the food's amazing. And the city, you know, Tokyo is just incredible. As a New Yorker, you're, you can appreciate it. Yeah, I think I think my head will explode. Well, one <laughs> of the things that I that we don't what keeps us from traveling is we don't want a subpar experience. How do you feel about that? You really have to choose it carefully now because it's like, yeah, okay, we're leaving, but I don't want to go. I didn't want to go to Paris when you couldn't eat in a restaurant. You know what I mean? That's yeah. not Paris to me. <laughs> you know that kind yeah. of thing. And I think, yeah, I mean, I don't want to go just for the sake of traveling, and you get there and everything shut down. Or, yeah. you know, and I, I apply, I comply with masks and things like that, but it, it is, it does lessen the, <laughs> lessen the experience. You know, I don't want to be served in Italy by a waiter wearing a hazmat suit. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I love Italy. I don't want it. I don't want that to be my memory of it, you know? So yeah, that's, that's, not, it, that's, that's not the full we experience. Traveled. Yeah. Yeah. That's, well, that's why we haven't gone anywhere. I mean, we travel for food and drink. Yeah, I mean, we, we want to hang out in the little weird cocktail bar and especially in, in Japan. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, that that crosses my mind, too. So you don't you don't want to have a half ass experience, especially for your first time. Yeah. You know, so uh, you still enjoy it, but you're not getting the full the full thing, you know. But I mean, as most of your when you decided to make the website was your uh focus more going to be American or did it just turn out that way because of the pandemic or was it always meant to be like an international uh, guide? Well, initially we started out very international. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. We had all over the world. Um, we do have one international book in, in our digital books, which is uh, Grand Cayman. Oh, okay. It's a cool little Island. Have you been there? Oh yeah. Yeah. A lot of banks, a lot of people hide <laughs> money down there. <laughs> there's actually really good food there yeah and i went really um good. uh diving there yeah it's a big ago, diving so. yeah and of course working on cruises you know, you're going to stop there eventually yeah but it is one of the nicer ones down there because of all the money yeah it's a great <laughs> island yeah are you like a outdoorsy kind of like are you uh, a diver or are you a hiker what i mean adventure thing or are you more like casual I go casual. I like your word casual. <laughs> yeah. You like sitting around the pool and getting the. Uh, no, no, uh, no, no, no. I'm not that. Waiter service. Definitely, okay. No, 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 no. We are, we don't ever sit. We don't even sit at the beach. We, I mean, <laughs> we are constantly going, but I think we like to explore, but not necessarily. I mean, we'll do athletic activities, but we're not jumping out of airplanes and right, scuba right. diving and stuff like that. Give me your craziest uh, current affair travel story were you ever trapped in I've, like a, a coup or something or were you ever um have to deal with authorities and get held yeah oh <laughs> good let's hear it yeah here's the travel tales now this is what we want 
I have so many travel tales. Okay, I mean, here I, we go. I had to sneak out of Mexico. What? Which, yeah. How? We were shooting. And why? We were sh- well, we were shooting in uh, near Mazatlan, I think it was. And uh, I have to remember the whole story, but it was like Jack and Cook, who owned the Redskins, mm-hmm. was having some scandal. And we get sent. So we would they would send us everywhere for like five different stories. So, you know, it was like all kind of meshed together. One day I'm shooting at a prison in, in Mazalan. I was trying to remember what that was because I'd been watching Narcos Mexico. And <laughs> there was a whole thing about murders. And I, I feel like that was what we were shooting, but I just remember the jail shooting in the jail and interviewing some guy and um, not a good place to be in jail. The Mazalan no. jail, not pretty. There's nothing sophisticated about that jail. Mm-mm. So we, so we uh, were shooting this Jack Kent Cook story, and there was this woman that we were sent down to follow. And so we had to – she was staying in this gated community with villas. So we rented a villa because it's current affair, and they just say, go ahead. So we rent a villa, and it's the cameraman, the sound man, me, and we're supposed to be a married couple and the brother or something. We have some story. <laughs> And the idea is to go to the beach and pretend like we're hanging out on the beach and somehow get this woman. So basically, we're trying to set it up so we get this woman on camera. So we finally find her. We go to interview her. Well, we ambush interview. All of a sudden, she's got security details. They rush her out. The next thing we know, they cut out our electricity. They surround our villa. We, I take the tape from, because it's tape back then. Yeah, tape. I say, I say to the cameraman, give me, your, give me all the tapes. Put in a new tape into your camera and get it to the halfway mark so it looks like we've shot with it. And I hide the tapes. These guys come in, really sketchy, scary guys. They, uh, they, they do a whole search. This is, again, after they've cut out our electricity, they search our villa. I've put our tapes in my dirty laundry bag, which is kind of actually funny because it's tabloid television. I think I put it in the dirty laundry bag. I never really thought about that. (laughs) And uh, they ran us out of town. Oh, my gosh. We we literally had to get out. And the story aired? Did you get any, like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Any pressure? Everything aired at a current Uh, affair. Yeah. Okay. Everything airs. Who was the anchor there back in the day? Maury Povich. It was Maury Povich. Okay. Okay, wasn't that Bill O'Reilly there too? Yeah, I was gone by then. Okay. I was at VH1 when Bill O'Reilly came in. All right, okay. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, so that I we have so many stories. I mean, we were I did um interview Cynthia Lennon. Oh wow, okay. Because I've been watching the Beatles yep, get back I saw the documentary. That. Absolutely. Yeah. And so she's very absent by that point. <laughs> she's we yeah, Yoko had come in the scene by that time. But she told did, me she told me that she went to see her mother, her mom. Yeah. And she comes back and Yoko Ono is wearing her robe in her kitchen with her husband. Oh, wow. That's pretty, you know. That's I'm a huge brutal. Beatles fan, but that's that's a pretty dick move on, on John. It's that's pretty bad. Yeah. What was was that for VH1? Or no, Current that Affair? was for that was for Current Affair on the Isle of Man. Oh, wow. Okay. So that was some interesting travel. I bet. I bet. I've been to the Jersey, Isle of Jersey, and uh, I don't know if I went to the Isle of Man. I don't think I have. 
did you go for just for fun or I was I was work? on a cruise. I was working and then they made a stop in Jersey, which again is another tax haven, I guess. I found out later. I didn't know that. Yeah, people like list their um list their corporations there for a reason for some super low tax rate or something. It's like a dodge. A lot of the Brits do it, a lot of Europeans do it. See, we're learning where all the big tax havens yeah, are. Yeah, exactly. In case <laughs> you ever make Caymans. a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, okay, so, give so me another far, one. It's not necessary. I wanted uh, any. Uh, did you ever interview like world, like presidents or world leaders or something like that? Not Politicians. Current, current, current okay. current, no one would. No one would talk to us. Oh. But uh, <laughs> actually, I. So my first job was in Washington, and I talked to a lot of those guys. Oh my gosh! All, all of them. That wasn't. I'm not into politicians. I, I don't. That wasn't that much fun for me. I bet. I mean, we did a lot of celebrity. You know, after I uh, worked with you, I came out to L.A. here, and then I worked at TBS for nine years, and did a lot of celebrity interviews for you know movie interstitial show that I did. So it was over to Extra, who produced it and that kind of stuff. So I did a lot of all the movie junkets and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, that was kind of, fun. It was fun. That was they, all, fun. Yeah. they all kind of run together for a while. And you know that they have their set interview speeches, you know, try to break them down from that. But you just don't have a lot of time to do it. You got you need yeah. your thing. So people always ask me, it's like, oh, did you ever get any scoop? And it's like that. That's not the show I was on. <laughs> it was just we had to get our quotes to set up the little uh, movie clips. And that was it. So what was yeah, it like working junk, with this director? The, and it's like, yeah, okay. the junkets are, and they give you five minutes and they're really strict about it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and v- VH1, we were really lucky. We got to do our shows with a lot of celebrities. Yeah. And I wasn't there long enough to get, I didn't do that many interviews, but my first ones were like Mellencamp uh, and uh, Cindy Lauper. And Those people are good. like that. Those were great. But the first thing Cindy Lauper said to me, so we were, we're, we're shooting remotely at the Milwaukee Summerfest. So the live um, outside her inner trailer. And we weren't supposed to talk to her. We wanted to get Tina Turner. And Tina w- didn't want to talk to us. So it was like, okay, Cindy was opening that tour for Tina. And she was like, Cindy was uh, eight months pregnant or something. It was really wild. And uh, we're, we're setting up the cameras in her trailer. And so this is 97. So she's kind of like her star is kind of down, you know, but she was very sweet. But uh, first thing she says to me as we're setting up the camera, she goes, what is this for? And I said, VH1. And she goes, oh, how come you guys don't play my records no more? <laughs> I was like, oh, it's oh. not really my call. Oh, All right, Mike, action. And we're like, oh, no, that's my lead in. Oh, yeah. Awkward moment. Awkward it was awkward. Moment. It Were you at VH1 when George Harrison came into the studio? Yes. You, I've told wasn't that, that amazing? And that was like the first week I was hired. And I was like, and as a huge Beatles fan, and I that was one of the still to this day of all the celebrities I've interviewed, that was one of the times I remember being starstruck. And when I, so I remember how fun. exciting it was. Everybody was freaking out that he was coming in. And of course, Fugelsang got the interview. And I was like, oh, man. So I kept walking by the green room <laughs> to look, at, try sneaking a peek. I must have looked like the biggest you know, idiot, like trying to poke my head in. And, and then I was watching the uh, Harrison documentary directed by um, Scorsese, the uh, living in the material world. And they show that clip. And sure enough, it's like, oh, they're going to show Fugel saying, there he is, that bastard. 
Are you in the background, like Zelig walking in the background? Yeah, I wish I would have. It's like that would have been my like Zelig moment. That would. I did meet him that day. Did you meet him? Yeah, I was so lucky. I was walking out of the green room. We had that long hall. Yeah. And his manager turned around, or whoever that was, with him, and Mm -hmm. said, "Are you Robin?" Wow. (laughs) Like that. There's that moment where your heart stops. And I said, "Yeah." And he turns around, and he walks towards me, and George turned around and came over and said hello, and I shook oh. his hand. And these were the days where none of us all had cell phone cameras in our pockets, where we can't get yeah. that moment. That was one photo I wish I had. Yeah, that been so cool. That was great. What What about traveling for VH1? Uh, I only took one trip with them, but do you ever get like? Did you ever like follow on tours and stuff? Give me some. Give me some good travel stories from that. Well, the first week I got there, they said, oh, you're going to the Cannes Film Festival. What? <laughs> so I came from a current affair where no one would talk to us. And, and you know, it was like run and gun and, what, and trailer parks and right, prisons. Right. And I show up at VH1 and they're going, oh, right, you're going to Cannes, <laughs> Cannes Film Festival. So that was my starter. Did you do red carpet stuff or was it like? I did. Uh, no, we did lots of interviews. Um they just set up interviews all over the place. And oh, like awesome. you're interviewing, what well, was Kevin Spacey, which now there's like an asterisk well, well, sure. next to the thing. <laughs> but you're interviewing Kevin Spacey on the beach. I mean, it's can. It really yeah. is just like you would think it is like went, fancy yeah, I went, parties. Yeah, I went there once for TBS. So we did we did a junket there, for, which was great. So we got to spend yeah, that's fun. the weekend there. And then they were going to fly me right back. And it was like, Wait a minute. Uh, can I our plane? Of course, you have to fly to Paris and then come all the way back because there's no directs to can. But and I was like, well, I'd like to stay a few days in Paris if I can. They're like, OK, I was did like, you done? Absolutely. And me and my uh, producers and we just like he was going to fly back home. I was like, well, well, I got a hockey game. I got to play. And I was like, dude, we're in Paris. Really? You, you don't want to spend two. He had never been. So I was like, come on, man, take a couple days and see Paris. And he, then, of course, he was happy he did. It was like, uh, yeah, it's your rush. It's like, yeah. hey, you got to rush home to, you know, what, feed your cat? Are you nuts? Well, do you, so you interview people all the time. Do you think travels in people's blood? There's certain people that just need to travel. And then there's other people yes. that. Uh, um, a lot of people don't like to leave their comfort zone. They just don't. And uh or the one thing, there's a lot of reasons people give, and I talk about this all the time on it. Um, they think travel is going to be more expensive than it really has to be. Uh, it doesn't have to be expensive. Like they'll spend more going out on a night than you know than the, a plane ticket will cost. You know, it's just it's something in their head that they think it's oh it's so expensive I can't afford to do it. And it's like and you see what they spend money on, and like oh yeah you can you can afford to do it. It's just not a priority. But a lot of people. I don't get they don't have the, they don't have the curiosity that I don't understand. They're like, nah, it's like, really, you've seen pictures of London your whole life. You never thought of going and like, nah, I'm good. That I don't think it's a is it a fear? I think it is. Um, and that tends to run into more conservative people, um, uh, as, at least in Americans that yeah. I think they're told if this is the greatest country in the world, that by default means every place else is worse. So why do I need to, 
go. And also, if you're told that it's so awesome here, I think part of them is afraid of going somewhere and liking it. And they oh, might you go, do? Oh. Well, I think they might go, oh, you know, I've been told this socialism is so bad. And then they go to a place where like, oh, this is not this is not so bad. This life, <laughs> you know, maybe I don't have to live like maybe there are things that America can change and improve. And I think yeah. a lot of them are afraid of uh, learning that because it's better off not knowing. Then you could be more confident in saying how great we are. They might feel that they've been lied to. When you travel and you encounter Americans, do you ever see what used to be called the ugly American? Oh, always. But I mean, it really depends on where you're going. You know, the crowd that'll go to Cancun just to party over the or on a cruise ship often in the Caribbean. Um, they just want to get drunk and sit in the sun a lot. It's the same thing with Brits who go to, you know, ruin all the beaches of Spain and Portugal in the summer. They're leaving yeah. crap weather. And, you know, I grew up in Chicago. I, I understand a little bit of that. And I went on spring break and I did all that. Um, but that's a different kind of traveler than someone who wants to backpack around uh, Southeast Asia. You know what I mean? And so it's it's the it's the kind of travel you're going to find. You're going to find someone different in Vegas than you're going to find in, uh, you know, Africa. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a different kind of traveler. It, it depends on what you want out of it. A lot of people see travel as just, you know, I just want to go and do nothing. And, yeah, that's you know, not at me. At yeah, all. me either. I mean, I, I travel to get out of my comfort zone, not to take my comfort zone with me. But, you know, there's something for everyone. But I, th- I think we're just we've done so much of it. We're looking for something out of it that a lot of people aren't. A lot of people just be happy to just go to Florida and, and sit on a beach. And I'm, I'm past it. <laughs> oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I grew I, up doing that. So I, yeah, I know. It's, it's, and I live in LA, so it's not really like, okay, beach. I, I love the beach, but I get bored. I don't like, you know, I'm not a big hotel person either. Uh, I'm not, yeah, I what, wouldn't. So what does that mean when you say not a big hotel person? I'm not a hotel snob where it's like, oh, oh I have to stay in a certain level of hotel and I require these kind of things. It's like, Man, just give me some Wi-Fi and if it's clean and, and quiet and I don't I'll leave the hotel when I travel. You know, I just come back to sleep. But a lot of people are very obsessed with, you know, the spa facilities and the uh yeah. you know, they like have five star and they they're very critical of oh the breakfast buffet and this and I don't I don't care. I really don't. Uh I just want well, the- part part of the travel for me and I I wonder if it's the same for you is I love even the pre-production the planning and where we're going to go. And I mean, waking up at three in the morning to call a restaurant in Spain to make sure we can get a reservation Uh, and uh, just all of that. During the lockdown, I would like, did you like book vacations that you're never going to take? Like I would go on like the airline (laughs) booking sites and just book a fantasy vacation that I knew I couldn't go on, but just knowing that I could, it's like, Oh, I missed this. Uh, Where did you book? Oh, I looked for flights anywhere. It's like, what kind of deal can I get to Africa now? Like I'd look it up because I, I, I subscribe to these sites where, you know, flight deals would always come in. And then, but again, it's another thing. It's so hard to plan anything now because you don't know what's going to shut down. I mean, Europe is yeah. shutting down again. You know, yeah. they were open and then they weren't. They were, everything's in pencil. You know, like this yeah, Japan Everything's trip. in pencil. That's I've exactly it. Twice. it. I've moved this Japan twi- trip twice already. And I don't even know if I can go this time. So if it's still locked down the way it is now, I won't be able to go in May. So 
but you the have to be- have patience. You have to have patience. The, the year before uh, everything shut down, right up until February, we had incredible travel. I mean, mm-hmm. we went to so many places. Where'd you go? Luckily. So we went to uh, Copenhagen. Oh, lovely. <sighs> have you been? Oh, yeah. I could live there. <laughs> yeah. I didn't expect to feel that way. I knew I was going to like the food. I knew I was going to like the aesthetic. I thought I would enjoy the visual aspects of the city, the design, but everything's so logical there. (laughs) It it just makes sense. Well, I think that they have a really good work-life balance. Yeah. They, uh, everyone seems happy. Like even the dogs, like they don't bark. The kids don't cry. Like it's like a Disney (laughs) flick. Um, Socialist. It's very progressive. It's very progressive. Exactly. But it works. They don't have super rich and they don't have any poor. It's that nice middle class. Yeah. They seem to understand how to live life in a way that, well, stuff that's important to me, mm-hmm. like food, socialism, but social, just a social life, you know, not just like arts, very important to them, hanging out with friends, education. You see, education just it just seems like they take care of everyone it it just seemed so great i loved it yeah i mean i would live there what's something i gotta eat when i go to denmark herring oh oh really you had the herring i don't remember of eating it there i must have had it there oh so good the herring i remember the pastries being very good the herring's amazing okay schnapps yeah yeah (laughs) there's a lot of that up north Okay, they make the, and the schmorborgs, those, I, I have no idea if I'm saying it right, those sandwiches that look like pieces of art. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so so we went there, and then we went on the Queen Mary. Oh, have you been really? on the Queen Mary? No, no. Okay. That's nice. Wait, um, did and I then, go from London to New York? Yeah, transatlantic New York to London. How long does that take? Well, seven. Okay. Seven days. And give us the impression. Swank. Oh, swank. Yo, oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, a swank. It was good. <laughs> it was really good. And it's fun. It's in the middle of the Atlantic. It's cold. We're playing shuffleboard on the deck. It's not like sit by the pool because it's super cold. No. You oh, know? Yeah. It's, so that was nice. And then we hung out in London for a while. Then we came back and went to Morocco. Have you been to Morocco? No, it's on my uh, dirty dozen a bucket list. It's on there. Morocco and Egypt. Morocco is amazing. Yeah. Did you... Uh, did you go to Chef Chowan, the blue city? No, I want to go there. Okay, yeah. So many people, I've talked to so many people about it, but what did you like about Morocco? Well, we went to Marrakesh. Um, okay. Friends of ours have a beautiful hotel there. Oh. Uh, and want to give them a plug? Give them a plug. Yeah, there. I do. Peacock Pavilions. It's beautiful. All right. It's it's amazing. So we we stayed with them and they showed us everything. Like it was, we usually do our own self guided but they took care of everything and that made it really a locals tour. And we got to meet the artisans in the marketplace because the woman, the it's a husband and wife and Mariam knows everyone. So she would take us in and this guy makes this by hand and this by hand. And so we, we did all these interesting things through the marketplace. We went up into the mountains glamping. I'd never gone glamping. Oh, wow. glamping. I could do. Yeah, <laughs> I, my way more than camping. <laughs> uh, 
For me, camping is like a hotel with a bug in the room and uh, no room service. That's that's camping. But glamping, totally into it. Glamping was great. The thing about Marrakesh, it's uh, it's a very soulful city. It's beautiful. It's interesting. There's the Arabic and the French and all these expats and all these artisans and artists. It's 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 beautiful. What time of year were you there? January. Okay. So what was the temperature? 60s. Oh, that's 50s and 60s. Yeah, really pleasant. Yeah, because uh, yeah, the summers, I guess, are just too too hot to, to do it. What was it? I highly recommend up in the it. Glamping mountains. What were you? Was it get cold? Oh, up there? it was freezing up there. It okay, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. So it's, do you go to the uh, bazaars? Are you like a shopper? Yeah. Okay. How's your, how's your uh, haggling skills? Not bad. Hold on, my friend. Good price yeah, for you. Bad. Good price well, for depends, you, lady. It also, yeah, it also depends on who. Certain artisans you don't want. First of all, so cheap. And you <laughs> see this guy. You see this guy making these tiles by hand. The last thing you want to do is is haggle. <laughs> I thought that's like part he, of the game, though. I thought that's a, yeah, you got to do you, it. Yeah, you feel like I don't know. Like I didn't want to haggle. You I'm feel terrible. Like you're at watching it. this guy doing a beautiful little sculpture or whatever he's making the last thing you want to do is take money from him i know i know i I would i mean i'm so bad at those i'm a bad shopper anyway but i mean i hate haggling for anything a car yeah i'm the the worst yeah yeah i can do it i I bet you could i bet you yeah i got i could i can pull it out if necessary (laughs) so like these recommendations like say your your friends is the peacock pavilion is that what it was yes peacock pavilions is that information in your guide well we haven't done a morocco guide yet okay but it would we be. were work we were working on a morocco guide we are oh. about to do one and guess right. what happened okay oh. well uh get your plugs in what about the uh what is the website for the guide where can people buy it where can people find it, it it's called fed guides fed fed guides find eat drink um you can go to fedguides.com um they're also available on on wherever you get your digital books, Amazon, Apple. Mm-hmm. And right now, the cities we have are Portland, Maine, Richmond, Virginia, Charleston, South Carolina, Tampa, Florida, St. Pete, Florida, New Smyrna Beach, Florida, the Berkshires, and Grand Cayman. That's what, what a, we have so far. Okay. I was in Tampa uh, and Sarasota just um, in la- this summer when I was back in Florida. That was the first time I got on a plane. I went and saw my parents down in they're in they're in Florida now, but we took a day trip. We went to Sarasota, which I was a little surprised. I mean, like I hadn't spent. I've seen most of Florida. I've I've been going there my whole life because relatives, but uh, Sarasota seemed like livable. Am I wrong? Yeah, beautiful. No, totally great modernism <laughs> too. Good yeah, modernist houses. A lot of uh, famous modernists from the mid century uh, design there. It's beautiful. Yeah, what, it's really nice. What do you recommend in Tampa, St. Pete? Uh, to do or eat? Yeah, give us a good, give us a recommendation. I didn't expect uh, you to ask me about Tampa. A simple FED guide recommendation. Give <laughs> us a little hint. What can people learn? Oh, there's some really good little Cuban bakeries. Oh yeah, yeah, that's really cool. good. Yeah, lots of good Cuban food. So we have a lot of great Cuban food places in the guide. Okay. Um, there's also some kind of little hipster places popping up in the area. So we have a lot of those too. So FED guides, 
fed.com? Fed, fedguides.com, F-E-D. Okay, cool. Give me your worst flight experience ever. Oh, I was going to give you my best. Okay, give me, give me the best. So I'm, uh, it's a couple of years ago, about 20 years ago. And I'm <laughs> a couple, 20. <laughs> hey, when you get to be older, isn't 20 and a couple <laughs> the same thing? It seems like it. <laughs> it's all going so fast. Yeah. I was, I was flying to Hawaii family vacation and my flight kept getting canceled. I was using points. So I was flying business class. Ooh, so she-she. they, yes. And they call the airlines used to call in those days and they tell you, you, your flight's been canceled. So I said to the woman, oh man, I was supposed to be in Hawaii like two days ago because snow, it was, it was January. So it kept getting canceled. She said, oh, you know what? There is a seat available in first class. If something happens in business, we're going to have to move you back. But for now, if you can get to the five o'clock flight today, fly through San Francisco, it's yours. I said, done. It's great. Perfect. (laughs) So I get to my seat and I'm kind of looking around as I'm about to put my things down for my fancy first class seat. I'm in the, um, I, I have a, I have an aisle seat. Somebody's going to sit next to me and I look up and it's Keith Richards. Oh, <laughs> awesome. So my random seat assignment was with Keith Richards. I spent eight hours chatting with Keith Richards. Oh my gosh. That's great. Isn't that amazing? Yes. And, and and there's nothing in my life that would ever give me eight hours with Keith Richards. <laughs> like if we, an interview would be an hour. I mean, there's nothing, there's just no scenario where I would have one-on-one eight hour conversation with <laughs> Keith Richards. Was he flying alone? Yeah. Wow. Okay. It was yeah. amazing. That's and awesome. and this is so this is 99 2000 I guess it's it's before just before 911. So, so you were wants, on VH1 at the time. I just left. Just oh, left VH1. Okay. But you had so that connection, you had that music connection. Yeah. That's a nice icebreaker. That's a yeah, nice icebreaker. It was good. It was good. He walks just, and he's, yeah, me some idiot fan like, "Hey, hey uh, tell me about sticky fingers." <laughs> He walks in, he sits down, he looks and he goes, oh, hi, I'm Keith and I hope I won't be too much of a problem. That's my, that's my Keith Richards. That's pretty good. Very good. I said, I'm Robin. I hope I won't be too much of a problem. So, but we got along so well. So he decides he wants to have a cigarette. So he calls over the flight attendant. He says, he says, "Uh, can you ask the pilots if, if they are Stones fans and if they smoke (laughs) again, this is. Before 9-11. Yeah, for sure. She leaves. She comes back and she says, yes, uh, to the first question. And if I hope you mean cigarette. (laughs) So he goes in to the cabin where they're flying. He goes in with the pilot. In the cockpit? He's in the cockpit. Because it's the only place where you can have a cigarette. And literally hangs out with them so he can have a cigarette. Some flights going like this, you know, because they're because no matter how old they are, I mean, the Stones have been traveling for so long and and on tour that no matter how old those pilots are, they're going to be Stones fans. Sure. It was it was incredible. That's great. I just saw them uh, last month. You did? Yeah. I just saw them. You know what? They sound great. And Mick Jagger is unbelievable. He's 78 and running around like 
it defies time. It's crazy. It's incredible. Yeah, they were great. They were great. So that was another bucket list concert I had to see. Oh, you and had never it, seen them? Can you believe that? They were like one of my last ones. And for some oh. reason, over the years, I had one excuse or another for not, I couldn't make it. And uh, no, so I finally did that. It was great. I didn't get to see Charlie, unfortunately. He passed, but. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, what did you guys talk about? I mean, was I read his biography. I autobiography. Oh, you did? Yeah, so I know a lot about him. And he can remember surprisingly a lot <laughs> you'd think you wouldn't but shockingly so yeah shockingly so we so he at the time i knew this guy who's an actor who was really good friends with him and so we talked about all kinds of things we talked about this guy and he said oh i'm wearing his i think he was wearing his like vest or something so i go to hawaii i get back to my apartment in new york my phone's ringing i picked it up it's this guy michael and he tells me word for word what i said to Keith Richards about Michael. Is that incredible? That's awesome. That's so great. It was crazy. He gave me a piece of jewelry. He had these things made before he went on tour. Um, he has like a jeweler and he has things made, I guess, that he gives out. And I guess it's something you put on your, your belt. And it's because it's got like a little hook and it's got the lightning bolt and the bottom is a skull and it's all in silver. That's he awesome. Said you, you're my new best friend here. I want to make sure I give you something. Oh, it was that's so great. sweet. I was going to say we it talked was a about skull. all kinds of things. Uh, I was going to say skull. it was in a skull shape. Yeah, I yeah. was going to. Absolutely. That's great. What a cool that story. A, that was. Yeah, that was incredible. That was really the, the best seat assignment ever. <laughs> I can't top that one. Who's yours? You must I'm, have some. I've never gotten. I've sat next to um, some celebrity coming back from usually the New York LA flights. Yeah. You know, and with uh, TBS used to fly us like business or first or whatever. So like I saw like Sandra Bullock and her husband at the time, Jesse James sat in front of me. And then uh, Ed Helms sat next to me once and spilled a drink by accident on me. He was very nice about it, <laughs> but um, yeah. So when, when somebody like famous is next to you, do you talk to them? I mean, do you say or do you feel like, oh, I don't want to talk to them. I'm going to leave them. I actually don't. Let, Un unless I'm don't. like, you know, if it was Keith Richards, hell yeah, I'm saying something. You know, <laughs> but I mean, no, I really don't. I give people their space. I don't really, you know, I think after doing interviews, you know, I don't think they want to talk to people on a plane <laughs> unless they unless they talk to me. You know, I'll let them make the first move, but I'm not going to I'm not going to bring it up. Yeah, yeah same. I wouldn't have. Yeah. And actually, I felt like he I thought to myself, well, he probably wants his own time. So I pull out the headsets to watch the movie. And he said to me, you're not going to watch a movie, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I was really surprised. Now. I think he no, I think he wanted to chat. That's great. I mean, we talked about his grandfather. We talked about Dylan. We talked about the Stones. Oh. We talked about music. We talked about writing music. I mean, it was just like incredible you know how many millions of people would have given their left arm to trade seats with you that day yeah that's amazing that's so cool what a great story yeah that's a good travel story <laughs> <laughs> what about bad ones have you ever gotten um i don't know caught in a place any food poisoning any uh, arrests and ever had to bribe an official um not an arrest i got yeah, the Mexico uh, story. That was a good one. Well, I, I have lots of those stories. I got thrown on. I, 
got thrown on the ground by a cop in San Diego. I got thrown on the ground, punched by a cab driver in Paris. Wow. So I've had I've had violence. Punched? <laughs> yeah. What did you do? What did he what why? Which one? Which Paris. one? Paris. Oh, that was a good one. Um they used to have these cab lines. I, maybe they still do. And so we, uh, my friend and I, my friend Dale and I were going to some restaurant. It was, of course, off the beaten track, mm-hmm. as, as you do. And so I was trying to find a cab to get us there, and no one had heard of it. And I spoke enough French to kind of get by. So I went to the first cab guy, and he hadn't heard of it. So I go to the second, and I'm standing outside the driver's side window talking to the driver and because the other cab I'd gotten in and gotten out. So the cab, the other cab driver who didn't know where it was pulled up in between, almost hit me. So I'm in between the two cars and he starts screaming to me and the other cab driver in French. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. And I said, it does exist. And he has a map on his, uh, on the seat next to him. So I, so, he, and the window's down because he's yelling at us. So I said, Oh, let me get your map and I'll show you. And he goes to put the window up. Oh, and my like sandwich your hand in there. So I pull my hand out and I've been getting by on terrible French at this point, And I <laughs> yelled, am I allowed to cuss on your sure. podcast? I yelled, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and he got out of the car and he, grabbed me by the shoulders and he threw me onto the ground. My camera, I'm obviously a tourist. Yeah. I'm in my twenties. My camera goes flying. So the other cab driver who was very nice got out of the car. I mean, it was violent. The guy was coming at me now with his fist Oh my I'm God. on the ground. Literally he's coming at me. I don't know what made him go nuts. Maybe the American. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. In New York, you say fuck you to a cab driver. It's really not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. I guess in Paris, it's a bigger deal. So well, the yeah. other cab driver gets out and he grabs the guy and he says, uh, write down his license number. And he and so I wrote down the license number and he goes, get in my cab. And so we got in his cab and he took us to the police station. We had to file a report. Oh, my gosh. Was a whole big thing. All I wanted to do was take pictures of the whole thing because current affair. Yeah. Um, and then page six did a little thing on it. Oh, really? April in Paris and Robin Dorian fell head over heels. <laughs> <laughs> That's a crazy story. That's nuts. Yeah. Okay. Nothing I'll ever wa- happened. Nothing ever uh, happened. Yeah, of, of course. course. You know, they, they looked at me like I was nuts. They didn't care. Mm-hmm. Well, as someone who reviews restaurants and things, have you ever gone to like, a super famous, well-known place that everybody raves about, and has it been like total letdown, like totally disappointing? Yes, you got an example of that many times. Okay, uh, is this stuff you find in the guides, like in in the Fed guide? They like, won't be don't... in our guides. Okay, but do you say <laughs> like, hey, this thing you you may hear a lot about it when you go to this city. Don't bother. Do you ever say that? Well, we don't do that because everything in our guide is re- recommended by a chef or a bartender okay. or a sommelier, and it won't be in the guide if it's not good. If we've gone there and we don't like it, it's definitely not in there. Okay. Well, okay. So we, off book. We, we say <laughs> you record. can go. So off the record, do you have one? You're like, oh, this is not good. 
or like yeah. a certain kind of food. It's like, oh, this, you know, you go to Oaxaca and it's like, oh, they're known for this mole sauce. And then you got in there and you're like, oh, and that, I'm just using that as an example because I love mole. I haven't been to Oaxaca. I'd like to go. There. Oh, it's it's delicious. But you know that? Have, have, have you ever seen something that's like way too hyped? And then you get yeah. there, it's kind of a letdown. Yeah. I think I think we've done what we realized because we kind of run into it a couple of times. And my husband and I, we do this together. This is our business together. We're very much cut from the same cloth. And we found that we prefer not the fancy place as much as the little bit more um, rustic, I guess. Mm -hmm. I'd much rather go to the place that has like the swinging light bulb and (laughs) the guys in the back making the noodles or whatever than the big fancy hoopla kind of place. So it's part of my personality. Maybe other people who want the fancy will be more excited about it. And sometimes you feel kind of jaded, not enjoying the big, rich, fancy kind of place. Is there a price point they usually deal with? I mean, or do you go like, okay, because some people specialize in like street food and cheap eats. Is there like more of a mid-range kind of thing or do you do both? Personally or in the guide? In the guide or yeah, both. Um, In the guide, we have the range Mm -hmm. and we put little price tags that, you know, in uh, I, I, I will spend some money if it's a, if it's a place that we think is going to be worth it and we're going to be excited about, we'll spend the money. We tend not to because we tend to find that we're not as excited about the place. We will drive, go out of our way. Um, we were in Louisiana and all these chefs talk about this place that is known for their crawfish out in rain, Louisiana. Ooh. and you got, that's far from New Orleans, yeah. but we packed up the car, got a hotel, drove out to rain so we could have the best crawfish in the world. And you drive down this dirt road and it's like you would never find this place. And it's a shack and you go in and the crawfish is incredible. So we will do that kind of thing. That sounds great. We, it, that was a really funny night. So we get to this place and we go up and we talk to the owner at the end. And they say, oh, uh, let us take you somewhere. Okay, <laughs> follow, follow me. So she gets in her pickup truck and she starts taking us down these roads. And we look at each other and we realize if she's going to murder us or something, no, no one's going to know. There's no cell service. No mm-hmm. one knows we're here. And we follow her and we're like, oh, God, like this is getting kind of sketchy. But all she wanted to do is show us this place. They What they do is they take the crawfish and they have this 24-hour cleaning device and it's done off-site and it's made, and that's why their crawfish is so good. And they have it set up with these, it's almost like a water bath kind of thing. And so, they, so they're super clean. Oh, that sounds delicious. And she just wanted to show us. <laughs> <laughs> but we will, like, we'll book a hotel and drive the X number of miles for the meal. We will travel for food. So what? in terms of the experience, like that's what, can, that's what we're excited about. What's the craziest thing you've ever eaten? Like I've done like some, I haven't done the full insects in, uh, I've had, I think grasshopper in, uh, How was it? in Mexico. Well, you know, you deep fry anything. It's, you know, you, you can pretty much deep fry anything and eat it. It's like little tiny snacks. It wasn't bad. Um, how about you? Any kind of crazy animal you've eaten? Anything you've like, 
looked at um, and like, I can't. I know this is a local delis- delicacy, but I just, I can't do it. I haven't had a can't okay. yet. I mean, I have a <laughs> seafood allergy. There's certain things I'm allergic to, so I have that can't. Okay. But otherwise, the goat brains I've had, um, which are really good. Goat brains. Like I don't, yeah, brain, that, like the kind of the inside stuff I really like. Hearts. Oh, organ kind of stuff. The organ meats are great. Oh, all wow. that stuff okay. I like. Yeah. Well, you're bold. That doesn't freak most. me out. Yeah, I know. Most people get it's it's a psychological thing with most people, but if they can get past that, it's really tasty. What What are your go to food destinations? I mean, in terms of countries, I mean, I have my top two. It's like Italy. What are your Th- top two? Italy and Thailand, of course. I mean, you can't really go wrong in either of those places in terms of like you could just stumble into any old place and have the meal of your life. <laughs> but other yeah. places you really have to seek out a decent place you know what i mean where there yeah. you can just kind of find them by accident you know, a guy cooking on the side of the road and you're like oh my god this is amazing you know that kind of thing. and so and so have you ever had any sicknesses from eating side of yeah. the road food well i got sick the only place i really got sick was india india oh. and i have a strong stomach and i've eaten a lot but india india after a couple of weeks took me out which is very or as uh, as B- Bourdain described it, the Exxon Valdez. <laughs> yeah, it. Uh, <laughs> woof. That was a yeah. long night. It was a long night, a couple of days. But uh, yeah, India was the only real place. I've had a queasy night in Peru. Um, but, you know, that could be from you just don't know. A lot of times it's from the water. Um, yeah. And you just don't You can try to be careful, but you just sometimes it'll get you. And what you. do you stop at? What's your, what are you like? No way I'm going to eat that. Uh, there were things like in the Philippines, balut, which is like an egg, oh. but it, it's like bones. that started it to still form has the in chicken the, in there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I Did you eat pass. it? No. Yeah. No. I, I took a pass on that too. A lot of things with blood, you know, things of, you know, have this drink. It's got Cobra blood in it and I'm good. I'm good. I'm good with that kind of thing. Um, yeah, organ meats, unlike you, I'm not, uh, you know, they have to be really prepared, of course, well, but I'm eating less meat. Well, how, how about yakitori, um, like where, where they have chicken hearts and chicken livers and things like that? Yeah, I don't mind that. I don't mind that stuff. Um, I don't make a habit of having it all the time, but when in Rome, I'll, I'll go in. <laughs> I'll go all in. Yeah, that's how I feel. If it won't kill me, I'll try it. I don't know about bugs, though. Yeah. Yeah, that I'm too. I mean, I, I'm not intrigued. Yeah, in Hong Kong, I saw a lot of stuff on a stick that I would <laughs> I took a pass on. You could put anything on a stick and throw it over a fire, and I'm like, yeah. I'll let him. Mm. Nah, I'm good. I'm good. But what do you think? Now oh, we got to wrap this up. But I mean, what do you think? All this travel and all the things you've experienced. How has it changed you as a person, and how you look at people and the world? That's such a lovely question because I think that travel feeds your soul. I think it does open up your mind to be a more accepting person. I think that it challenges you in ways that you learn about yourself. You learn about other people. You learn about history. You learn about politics. I think that people who don't travel, um, I feel sorry for them. I think that if more people, if more Americans had passports and saw the world, I think our country would be better. I think that travel is such an essential thing 
And I, I think you and I are similar and we see the world as small, as big as it is. It, it makes it makes it all seem attainable. Um, I think that you look like I said. You learn you learn about yourself because you're pushed in certain ways, and you have to figure out things. And you learn about yourself in how you relate to cultures around the world, and you realize that we're all very similar in many ways. And it's fear and lack of travel. That make us different. That's great. I, That's great. I I love I love traveling. I'm I'm very worried for our country right now. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know what the answer is, but I really do think if more people traveled, we would all be better off. I agree. I agree. But thank you for doing this. Stay on the line. I'll talk to you it's afterwards. So fun. But okay. Yeah, it's great to catch up. We should do this more than uh, once every twenty five years. Absolutely. And and love your podcast. Thank it's you great. so much. And and it's so nice that you do it. It's really fun to hear different people's perspectives Thanks. of what they do. Thanks. And I'm glad we could catch up. Robin Dorian, everybody. Mm-hmm.